Welcome to MuggleCast 408. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. How's everybody doing this week? Great. Good. Great. Yeah. Nice. There's not much news to talk about, so I'm asking Went to the gym this morning. Oh, yeah. I'm amped up. I'm ready to go, Andrew. Good for you. Fitting in. Had some coffee. Working out before MuggleCast. Micah texted me, I'm amped. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. (laughs) Let's MuggleCast. That's actually exactly um, how I sounded, too. We are going to continue with chapter by chapter this week, and we are also going to listen to some voicemails. We haven't done that in a while. We have a hodgepodge of a chapter by chapter, I would say. There's just all kinds of things going on in this chapter. Mm. This chapter has everything. <laughs> so we'll discuss all of that. Um, we do have an announcement. Next week's episode of MuggleCast will be our Crimes of Grindelwald commentary. We're actually going to be recording it the day after we record this episode. We'll be streaming it live on Patreon, and everybody will be able to listen to it when it is released in mid-March. Crimes of Grindelwald just came out on Tuesday, March 12th, so if you haven't bought it by now, you definitely should, and that's why we're, we're recording the commentary now, because it was just released for our home entertainment consumption. I'm looking forward to talking about it with y'all because there's a lot to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. There is a very small piece of news. This is more of a heads up. Universal Orlando is going to release more information about Hagrid's... Let's see. Can I remember the name? Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure? I think you forgot about six words, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) that's it hagrid's magical creatures motorbike adventure they are going to release new information on tuesday since we are going to release our commentary next week we won't be talking about whatever they reveal until the week after the commentary but micah i understand you're going to a special event that might have information about this lucky you yeah i just might be going to an event that has special information about this Wink, for some wink. reason, this event is happening in New York. I can't figure out why they would do an event in yeah, New York for. But well, it's because they want Micah. There you go. Ah, well, from what I understand, Micah's not even going for MuggleCast, so I'm I have lots of problems with this. <laughs> MuggleCast <laughs> didn't offer. <laughs> <laughs> MuggleCast wasn't invited. Oh well, so there Muggle you Cast go. Couldn't offer. <laughs> oh well, but hopefully, more information to to come. Uh, Obviously, they're going to release whatever that information is on Tuesday, but uh, I'll be able to talk more about the event, uh, probably, like you mentioned, not on the next episode, but on the following one, let you know uh, how things were. You should uh, tell everybody about MuggleCast while you're there so that we get invited next time. There's an event. I'm just going to hand out stickers. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be in Orlando next week, not going to Universal, though, so... If I was, I would definitely try to climb that fence and check out the construction. That's going to be awesome. Anyway, time for Muggle Mail now. Eric, do you want to read the first one? Sure. Hi, MuggleCasters. Yana from Bulgaria. I came across the fact that Goldstein is a Jewish name, and it got me thinking how Queenie and Tina will be affected by the upcoming Second World War. Now I know they are witches and all, and they can protect themselves, but I just can't ignore how brutal life was for Jewish families during that time might be of no relevance but i just thought i would share my thoughts love you keep up the amazing work um yes and that's confirmed uh by jk rowling as well that tina and queenie 
and I think she actually singled out Michael Goldstein, who is a loose descendant, mm-hmm. uh, as being a Jewish uh, student at Hogwarts. Somebody on Twitter years ago asked J.K. Rowling if there were any Jews at Hogwarts, and she said, Michael Goldstein. I think it's Anthony, isn't it? Oh, Anthony, yes. You're thinking of Michael Goldberg. Am I? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anthony Goldstein. Didn't he, didn't he write one of the screen uh, plays? Oh, didn't he do uh, Order of the Phoenix? Uh, I want to say Goblet of Fire. Anyway. Yeah. I don't think it's of no relevance. I think this is a, a good point that Yana brings up. And I think we will see it probably play itself out in the upcoming films because we know that uh, they're likely going to be in Europe. And I mean, just the comparisons we've talked about a lot on the show of Grindelwald and Nurmengard even though it looked really nice at the end of the last film, uh, probably has parts of it that are (laughs) comparable to concentration camps or we'll see that transformation take place. We know that it becomes a prison uh, later on and it's actually where he's held uh, when we see him in Deathly Hallows. I have a hard time imagining it being mentioned more than within newspaper headlines. Like, you'll see them reading the paper, they're reading about the war, and they have, like, a really concerned look on their faces. I just don't think there's going to be time for that. But... For anything more. Mm, I think it depends. I mean, there very well could be some connections drawn to the Muggle world in terms of what's going on with World War II. I don't think that Grindelwald's whole thing at the end of the second movie where he showed what was going to happen in World War II was an accident. I think that there are going to be a number of parallels drawn between that and what's happening in the wizarding world. So it may not be a big story arc where Queenie and Tina are discriminated against by muggles for being Jewish, but I think it'll definitely at least come up Mm. once. Yeah. Agreed. By the way, Margaret is listening live from Australia right now, and she says, waiting for the show with my vodka and popcorn. Oh. Wow. Hmm. That's a combo. Like I don't think I've heard um, of that before. Girl, it sounds like you're living your best life. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to party it up in here to, uh, you know, yep. get on her level. Break out the Vegemite. <laughs> Let me pour some vodka in my coffee. It is 10.15 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's in Australia. We could do Irish <laughs> coffees, uh, Laura. Ooh. There you go. That actually sounds real good. Get myself ready for a uh, trip. This, uh, mm-hmm. this next email comes from Brianne, who's... Uh, Oh, I thought she said she was 13 years old. So I'm like, okay, right off this alcohol contact, we're going to talk about 13 years. No, she's been listening for 13 years. Okay, so she said it's much better. Hey, guys, I've been rereading the series after getting jealous of my husband for doing his first reading. I found the following passage at the beginning of chapter 18 of Order of the Phoenix, page uh, 374 in my U.S. edition. Quote, Harry pointed his wand at the bullfrog that had been hopping hopefully toward the other side of the table. Accio! And it zoomed gloomily back into his hand. It turns out it is canon to Accio, a living creature. My guess is Joe said that it wasn't possible as a response to a why can't they just use Accio question. I'm not sure of the exact time and place that she made that statement, though. Here's hoping Fantastic Beasts 3 will resolve a few more of our concerns. Would love to hear your thoughts. Brianne from Chicago. P.S. Welcome back, Laura. Oh. Mm. Thanks, Brianne. This was a good find. Yeah. I hadn't seen this one mentioned, so that's important to consider. Right. Mm -hmm. I think J.K. Rowling just needs to get her story straight 
on this situation. That's all. <laughs> and Pottermore, no, too. They keep changing the answer. Yeah, that's all I want. Just just stick with one answer. And by the way, we're going to get a we're going to listen to a voicemail later in the show that touches on Akio and how Newt may have been able to Akio a Niffler. It doesn't really uh, add to to this point, but the voicemail is about Newt possibly being an Animagus, and the theories are good. So, mm. and uh, just a quick update: I did check. Michael Goldenberg did screenwrite Order of the Phoenix. My apologies. Thank you. But I call J.K. Rowling. I can't keep everything straight. But I even I got it wrong. I called him Michael Goldberg. Michael Goldenberg. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, that was that was the movie that Steve Clovis. That was the only movie he didn't write. Right. Steve Clovis just need, needed a break. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's also <laughs> a really good movie. Like I love the adaptation of Order of the Phoenix, but not everybody does. Um, final email from Kathy Stevenson. Hi, MuggleCast. Do you think the other Deathly Hallows, the Invisibility Cloak, or the Stone will make an appearance in one of the upcoming Fantastic Beasts films? I wouldn't have thought so, but because Nagini is now part of the story, maybe we'll get a reference to one of them. Oh, and when you talk about the perks of supporting you on Patreon, mention the live stream version of the show. I love it. Thanks for all your hard work. Hey, guys, we got in live stream. <laughs> yeah, people really... <laughs> People really like it because they can listen to the show live and interact with us. Like yeah. if you tell us that you're uh, drinking vodka and eating popcorn, we read that on air. <laughs> and support you wholeheartedly. <laughs> so I I do think we are going to probably see the other Deathly Hollows. Mm. For one, we saw the stone in Crimes of Grindelwald. It was very brief. Did we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where? It was in Nick. Nicholas Flamel's vault. Wait, what? Oh, no. Oh, she was talking about the resurrection stone. Oh, 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 right, right, right. Of course. Um, Cut that out. Okay. I look like an idiot. No. No, it's it's fine. Um. Um, it's okay, Andrea. We're all wrong sometimes. <laughs> um, I think that this is a safe bet, though, to say that we will at least get some sort of reference to the Deathly Hallows, given the fact that Grindelwald was pretty obsessed with them. And has the Elder Wand, or will. Right. And in the promotional material, I think for the first movie, they were just straight up throwing that Deathly... Oh, and in the second movie, they were mm-hmm. throwing that Deathly Hollow symbol all over the place. That's right. So probably building up to something there. And and we'll discuss this when we are watching the movie together tomorrow. And in one of the desks that Lita looks at in Hogwarts, there is a Deathly Hollows inscribed mm-hmm. on the underside. Those transfer students... no but i i wonder right now we obviously know where the wand is but who would even have the invisibility cloak or the resurrection stone i mean if we adjust timeline a little bit i mean even with what we've been talking about in half-blood prince isn't the stone with the gaunts Mm -hmm. yeah marvolo gaunt has it and the cloak is with james potter's father Presuming the tradition to hand down the cloak from father to son mm. is what happens um, consistently through that bloodline. You would think so. So there is a chance we see the Gaunts if if there is sort of this side mission of Grindelwald to acquire the Deathly Hallows. Maybe. Yeah. But I don't know, to me, that gets even more confusing. Yeah. We will see. I'd like to take a moment now to tell our MuggleCast listeners about a sponsor this week. A Discovery of Witches, a Sundance Now and Shudder original series. 
Adapted from Deborah Harkness's best-selling All Souls trilogy, A Discovery of Witches is a modern-day love story set in a world where witches, vampires, and demons secretly live and work alongside humans, hidden in plain sight. Starring Teresa Palmer of Hacksaw Ridge and Matthew Good of Downton Abbey and The Crown, Season 1 launched exclusively on Shudder and Sundance Now on January 17th this year. Seasons 2 and 3 have already been greenlit. I'm halfway through my binge-watching of the first season of A Discovery of Witches, and I gotta say, I'm enjoying it immensely. The series has an inescapable focus on alchemy, which I find interesting the more I research, and the more we talk about Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, and the Crimes of Grindelwald. The chemistry between the leads is palpable, and the supporting characters are interesting as well. Again, this is a show about witches. It's a perfect fit for MuggleCast listeners. And the thing is... You can watch A Discovery of Witches on both Sundance Now and Shudder online streaming services. Let me tell you about each of them. Shudder is a premium streaming video service, super-serving fans of all degrees with the best selection of horror and thrillers. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. And meanwhile, Sundance Now offers original and exclusive dramas, comedies, and true crime series, in addition to award-winning movies from every genre, including foreign language and documentary features, all streaming commercial-free. Built on the Sundance legacy and curated by acclaimed filmmakers and cultural icons, Sundance Now is proud to present an extensive array of entertainment for a passionate and intellectually curious audience. Listeners of MuggleCast can choose to receive either a 30-day free trial of Sundance Now or Shudder, and it's completely your choice. And you can catch A Discovery of Witches on both services. Here's how to sign up. Head over to discoveryofwitchestv.com and use the promo code MuggleCast when you choose either Sundance Now or Shudder, and you'll receive a free 30-day trial of either service. Again, that's discoveryofwitchestv.com and use promo code MuggleCast for a free 30-day trial of either Shudder or Sundance Now. Your choice. If you're feeling more like Laura T., who's a big horror and thriller and suspense fan, you might choose Shudder. If you're like me and you have a long list of classic films you can't quite hack down, Sundance Now is probably your choice. Regardless, get a free 30-day trial by entering code MuggleCast. And definitely... Check out A Discovery of Witches, streaming now on Shudder and Sundance Now. It's time now for a chapter by chapter. This week we are discussing Haploid Prince chapter 19, Elf Tales. Let's start, as always, with our seven-word summary, and Eric, you will kick us off. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I wasn't prepared for this. It's always worse being the the first or the last person, and I'm the last person this week, so I'm not looking forward to it. I'm nervous being the second person because I have to react to whatever, whatever Eric starts with. Okay. And I only go once, so I'm sitting pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and you're pumped up. You should have the most contribution. And I'm right in the middle, so I can just screw the whole thing up. All right. <laughs> here, here we go. <laughs> Quidditch. Takes. Andrew. <laughs> what? What am I supposed to do with that? Um, Quidditch takes... What was I supposed to do with Quidditch? <laughs> this game has a? just turned into blaming each other for how bad it is. <laughs> it's tearing us apart. Backseat. Okay. Oh. All right. Changing the subject. Mm. Two. Love those linking words. 
uh, Draco's activities. Hmm. Okay, that works. Well yeah. done. We did it. <laughs> we completed a sentence. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> Micah, do you want to start us off? Sure. So, as you mentioned, the name of the chapter is Elf Tales, which I'm not really sure why. But, uh... <laughs> right. I know. I was thinking that when I was reading it. I was like, wait, nothing. There's no elves till mm. the end. I, it's kind of punny, though, because tales and tales is a thing. They're, they're assigned to tail Draco Malfoy, but it's not spelled that way. It's spelled as though they're telling a tale, which they also don't do. They right. don't. So. Well, Good thing we renamed the chapter. That's what we're here for. <laughs> so you're saying that it's because they're going to be tailing Draco? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, they're they're oh. two two solid elf tails uh, that uh, they because to put to assign somebody to follow somebody is to make them a tail. So right, that actually makes sense. Right, but it's but again, it's very last couple you know paragraphs of the chapter mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, and it's this is a massive chapter. So I'm actually going to, Eric, let you start things off because you said that two really important conversations are happening or have happened kind of off page. Yeah. If you remember the end of last chapter, Ron Weasley uh, got poisoned, was sent to the hospital wing. It was unclear whether or not he would live or die. Kind of an ominous place to to leave. Um, And at the beginning of the chapter, we do kind of go straight into the action as far as they're in the hospital wing. Um, a couple of you know friends and family are gathered over Ron, but it's mentioned that Harry has already spoken to Dumbledore, and I'm actually a little bit upset because I think that that conversation, you know, Dumbledore as headmaster presides over all injuries, all student you know matters, and clearly there would have been if we had seen the conversation where Harry said, you know, sir. Ron has just fainted. Here's what happened. And then Dumbledore had to like then interview Slughorn about it. We would have, I think, gotten a lot of insight into how Dumbledore feels in general about this latest development. Because this isn't just one. This is now two of his students that he's sort of allowed to be injured. And I would have just loved to have seen, you know, the specific questions that he asked Harry. And we do know he's frustrated because of what Hagrid says later. Right. Um, About the conversation with Snape. Yeah, so it's just... And what's the other... Yeah, yeah. So we're just, you know, deprived of what could have been some very telling uh, conversations. And the other one is the conversation that he's currently having. So as the chapter starts, he's in with uh, Molly and Arthur Weasley. And again, I kind of wonder what that conversation would be like. Like, you know, sorry, Molly and Arthur, I've, I have a policy of allowing students to be near de- nearly killed by Draco while I let him, you know, continue to try and fail to kill me like what exactly is he saying that's going to ease their their sorrow or suffering or concerns you know their son is touch and go and a few doors over so i just i I would argue the weasleys just know that this is life in the wizarding world (laughs) they know that crap like this happens they're just conditioned to it at this point so like i'm sure they're upset that it happened to ron but they also know it's just part of being a witcher wizard Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's also another parallel to Chamber of Secrets because, of course, Ginny ends up in danger and now Ron. Oh, man. Yeah. There's quite a few uh, ties to Chamber of Secrets. We'll talk about those in a little bit. But 
the chapter starts off with, as you mentioned, Eric, kind of a number of people huddled around Ron in the hospital wing and Fred and George are there and they, they kind of get this conversation going about who could the poison mead have been intended for? Was it Slughorn? Was it Harry? Was it Dumbledore? And I thought it raised an interesting question about Slughorn in particular, because we don't really look at him in this light at all uh, throughout most of the early part of this book. But could he have been a Death Eater or was he just a target or, you know, sort of a a tool that Draco is is using in this case to try and get to Dumbledore? I think the Death Eater part of it is very interesting because if you look back at sort of the history of these teachers that have shown up randomly in each of these books, normally it's to take over Defense Against the Dark Arts. But, you know, Slughorn is former head of Slytherin House. He's Potion's master. Why not the the chance that Dumbledore could have misread this whole situation? Mm. Well, that's the million-dollar question. Would Dumbledore have misread the situation? That would be a major fault on his part. So I don't think I was considering that when I was reading this for the first time. Yeah. What I also like, too, is I feel like Slughorn is sort of, as a character, representative of a shift in terms of Slytherin representation. Up until this point in the series we're sort of conditioned to believe all Slytherins are just bad. They're just bad. They're bad people. Um, and then we meet Slughorn and he has this like level of eccentric, or he's very eccentric, right? Um, and he definitely uses people. He collects people um, like prizes, but he never comes off as an inherently evil person. And it's interesting because, of course, later down the road, like, of course, in um, Cursed Child and then in Fantastic Beasts, we see representations of Slytherin characters who are just normal people. So I kind of like his placement at this point in the series. He's a bit of a question mark. I, I do like how, Micah, you pointed out most of the people Dumbledore brings into the school don't have Hogwarts' best interests in mind, though. Historically, that has not been the case. Quirrell, Umbridge... Lockhart, even, uh, you know, they're in it for themselves. Uh, Mad-Eye Moody uh, was obviously not even Mad-Eye Moody. So I, I think it's fair to ask uh, if, if if Slughorn was really a bad guy. But knowing his shock at the poisoning, the, the instance of the poisoning in the last chapter kind of makes my mind when I'm reading this go, nope, that can't be a thing. Because he's genuinely surprised that mm-hmm. something happened with Ron. Right, but Hermione makes a very interesting point that if the person who was responsible for this attack knew anything at all about Slughorn and Dumbledore was in fact the target or even Harry was the target, they would have known that Slughorn would have kept something like this for himself. Right. Uh, just because of, as you say, right. he enjoys these types of things. Um, but Her exact line was, then the prisoner didn't know Slughorn very well. And that to me, was a big clue about Draco because Draco has not been fitting, uh, thinking mm-hmm. anything through. Yeah, totally. Well, and- I think it's just representative of yet another half-hearted attempt. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and that just raises, raises larger questions about what Dumbledore is allowing to, to go on or, or 
even later in the chapter when we learn about the conversation with Snape, what Snape is allowing to go on. Like clearly Dumbledore is pissed at Snape that he's not doing a better job of keeping tabs on Draco and, and helping him, you know, accomplish his task without potentially killing other students at the school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talking about Slughorn uh, being a potential target, I, I also wanted to raise the fact that if Slughorn and this is also brought up by members of the Weasley family, it is wanted by Voldemort for whatever reason. We know that he's he's valuable commodity. We, all, we also know something that they don't, which is that he's also the key to defeating Voldemort. And yeah. of course, Voldemort would be aware of that. Yeah. Is it really smart of him, D- Dumbledore, to to bring this man into Hogwarts, you know, and and keep him there, you know, knowing that he could be a potential target? Well, there's no safer place than Hogwarts. There's no safer kind place, of. clearly. And is he really a target? I mean, Ginny brings up this point, and as a reader, I thought this one made the most sense because, like what you're saying, we know that. Tom and Slughorn had these very important discussions about Horcruxes. And you can completely imagine why Voldemort wouldn't want Slughorn uh, sharing more of this information. He must be up at night. Does Voldemort sleep? He must be up at night wondering if Slughorn is sharing what he once told young Tom. Wasn't that why in the chapter called Horace Slughorn at the beginning of this book, when Harry and Dumbledore go to find him that he's in hiding is because the Death Eaters are trying to recruit him. Uh, And by recruit him, I always assumed it just meant they're just trying to get him so they can kill him. Like Voldemort himself would not really allow Slughorn to live, I don't think, if he found him. But Slughorn specifically says that the Dark Wizards have been tailing him. uh, Mm. More tales, everybody. Doesn't that compromise the safety of Hogwarts, though? Well, see, Hogwarts is the big, is the vault that they can't get into. So I I think that's Dumbledore's thought process, too. Like, I have to have this man where I can watch him. He may have dubious morals. But at least then the the rabble, the everyday people who are trying to get at him, won't be able to. And Voldemort, even if he wanted to kill Slughorn, would not necessarily mount a full-on offensive to where Slughorn is located if Slughorn's at Hogwarts to go get him. That's fair. And really the detective work continues on the part of everybody that's huddled around Ron. Hermione says, you kind of going to that point that we raised earlier, well, for one thing, they both ought to have been fatal, talking about the attacks, and weren't, although that was pure luck. And for another, neither the poison nor the necklace seems to have reached the person who was supposed to be killed. Of course, she added broodingly, that makes the person behind this even more dangerous in a way, because they don't seem to care how many people they finish off before they actually reach their victim. Yep. I don't know that that last part is necessarily true. I go to what Laura said about it being kind of half-hearted and not really well thought through. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's a person who's dangerous. I mean, if you put a bomb that's just going to, like a dirty bomb that could go off at any time, kill any amount of people that you want, that's much more dangerous than a specific targeted attack. Um, Because the X factors. But I don't think that there's an intention to hurt anybody else. Mm. I I don't know. I just think Dumbledore is equally reckless for allowing this sort of thing to go at Hogwarts if he has any suspicion who is behind it. Um, So it's kind of weird that we have to all like Dumbledore at this moment. Well, 
Do we? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The more that I learn about Dumbledore and the more that I go back and read the series, the less I like him. Aww. As as a person, as a character, he's fantastic because he's multifaceted and really pushes the plot forward. And I love that. But as a person, he's kind of a manipulative son of a bitch. We have a voicemail later uh, <laughs> and that person will that addresses that Dumbledore. Topic. Because right. they've been noticing we've been hard on him. Ooh. Oh. All right. I'm I'm open. Okay. Okay. So Molly and Arthur show up and they thank Harry for saving yet another member of their family. <laughs> Obviously, he saved Ginny. He saved Arthur. And now he saved Ron. He funded Fred and George's business. He's made Ron relevant at Hogwarts. <laughs> Harry is so important to the Weasley family. It's and and I'm glad Molly realizes it. I'm glad she has that sweet line about, you know, he was very lucky the day he stepped into that train compartment and found you. Yeah. Too bad he couldn't save Fred. Didn't Harry st- Doesn't she have that backwards? <laughs> Didn't Harry step into the Well, I Didn't I'm Harry paraphrasing. I may have. I No, 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 you're right, but in the book she says it backwards. Oh, okay. Um it's like giving giving Ron the agency. Yeah, where was Harry when Fred was... Oh, yeah, that's right. He was on a broom getting attacked by Death Eaters. Well, how uh, many I mean, times can Fred, you save them? Fred broke Harry's winning streak, man. It was actually Mundungus, wasn't it? Disapparating? Oh, no, that's how. That's what killed Moody. Mm-hmm. No, what killed Fred? Oh, he was at the Battle of Hogwarts. Duh. It's at the very end yeah. of the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is like okay. Final Destination, where he can he can uh, hold it off, but eventually it will happen. I love the reference. One Weasley will die. I mean, how many times can Harry <laughs> come and rescue them? And I'm sorry, I probably offended a lot of people when I said he made Ron relevant at Hogwarts, but it's true. And and it ties into what we're going to talk about in a few minutes, when nobody cares that Ron got hers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, J.K. Rowling came across as a little harsh there, but clearly uh, there's some truth to it. Mm-hmm. Now, Hagrid also shows up and this sends Madame Pomfrey into a tizzy. She can only have six people. This is so offensive. Around one bed. What What's the deal here? I mean, to your point, this may be the, the most that anybody's cared about Ron or the most people that have cared about Ron in, in six books all huddled around his bed. And Pomfrey is just, she's got rules. Six people. What? What's well, why six? And she's also like, wait, there's ten people in here now. Oh no, that's just Hagrid. Yeah. Oh no, excuse me. I'm just fat shaming somebody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're so fat. You look well, like four people. <laughs> like, what is that? To be fair, his footprints are described as being baby dolphin sized. Um, <laughs> literally baby yeah. dolphin sized. <laughs> but look, uh, I understand what Madame Pomfrey is saying. We see we see this in the Muggle world as well. You're when you visit people in the hospital, you're limited to only so many people, right? It happens sometimes. Uh, yeah, she's very much, though, making the rules up as she goes. I think that she's very inconsistent with what's allowed. But she's always been the role of the fussy you know, matron who's got to maintain order or cleanliness or have some standards. Because, I mean, hats off to her. I might even give her my MVP thing. Because she's just, you know, she's trying to to keep people safe and healthy and and just create an environment that's relaxing and uh, suitable for recovery. And this is not it. Yeah, Micah. But we'll see. All right. Well, 
And Ron's unconscious, so I mean, really, he has no idea who's there anyway. But I thought this whole conversation that happens once Hagrid, Harry, and Hermione step out into the the hallway was very reminiscent of Chamber of Secrets, and and Hagrid himself even, you know, mentions it's it's much like it was back in their second year mm-hmm. that there are these attacks that are happening on students. Perhaps the Board of Governors would want to try and shut down the school again. Yep. And Andrew, Hagrid even agrees with you that it's a risk to send your kids to Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah. a safety nightmare, as I said last week. Um, And yet the school stays open, despite some terrible things going on. Some reckless, terrible things going on, and the school stays open. It's just, speaking of conditioning, like the Weasley set were, like I said earlier, uh, people are just conditioned to bad things happening at Hogwarts. Yeah. So they so I guess there's just not much pushback, but here we see the board of Gov- governors seriously considering shutting it down. Man, that is such a, a book two throwback right there. Like I know we were worried that the chapter that the references would end because we've ran out of chapters from Chamber of Secrets, but I'll be damned if there aren't as many or more references to book 2 in this chapter than there have been all book. Mm-hmm. Like the reference to the governors, yeah. uh Dobby and Creature will talk about you know, later, but it's just, it's all in here. There's tons of chamber secret stuff. Yep. It's yep. real cool. Quidditch injuries. Yeah, Quidditch injuries. Exactly. With a, with a bludger. Oh my God. Yeah. The yeah. rogue bludger. Yeah. Unbelievable. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that. Mm-hmm. We will. And, uh, oh, Aragog too gets a mention. Yep. That's where, uh, Hagrid was out. Uh, he was reading to him. He was reading to him. That's what he yeah. says. He says, I was I was reading him stories. His health ain't well. Um, Spiders, a history. <laughs> <laughs> Science book? You think he's reading him a story? Maybe. What's, we will ask our patrons what uh, what Hagrid was reading Aragog. We'll get some cute replies. By Fantastic it. Beasts, of course. Charlotte's Web. <laughs> oh, Charlotte's Web. Isn't I that love a, that book. Wait, the spider dies. <laughs> if you have a spider best friend... That's that's near death. Hagrid was preparing a... him. <laughs> but the ending is it's positive because Charlotte's hundreds of thousands of children live on after her. <laughs> oh, wait, then that's super relevant. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I, I vote Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Oh, that would be that would be cool. I mean, we didn't get that, but that would have been a nice little reference. Yeah. The updated, updated, updated edition. The one that says all about Grindelwald and all that other stuff that Newt wasn't allowed to publish. Uh Uh-huh. So I thought that uh, Hagrid here has a moment, much like he does in Sorcerer's Stone, when he kind of gives away information on on how to get past Fluffy. It's kind of like one of those, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have said that moments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Classic movie line, too. I shouldn't have said that. I should not have said that. And uh, he reveals that Snape and Dumbledore, they're on the outs. Yeah. Times are hard. They are not happy with each other. So, okay, I'm wondering, does Dumbledore know that this is Draco trying to carry out Voldemort's plan he does right yeah okay yeah he so has to. so he's just angry at snape not forcing pushing draco in the right direction i guess well yeah because we hear hagrid kind of communicates to harry and hermione that he heard snape saying i don't want to do this anymore yeah and clearly 
you know, in retrospect, we know now that Snape is telling Dumbledore, I don't want to participate in this mission to kill you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even though they know at this point he has to die because of the curse mm-hmm. is killing him. A-, a pretty surprising admission from Snape. Don't you agree? Yeah. To and, say, and I don't want to think... do this anymore. Like, he's usually a trooper. It's just, Dumbledore, I can understand why Dumbledore's pissed. He's never had that form of open resistance before. Nobody he's using actively, who knows they're being used, has, a- has actively actually said no and meant it. Maybe Newt at some point in the movies were not yet, uh, the stories we're not yet familiar with. But for Snape to say, I don't want to do this anymore, or I'm tired of it, or you, 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 you expect too much, it's very trying because Dumbledore doesn't have a lot of options. Mm-hmm. At this point, in the, this late in the game, he doesn't have many people he can trust, and the people he can trust he's toying with like Harry, he doesn't really need to go on this huge quest to get this answer from Slughorn. Dumbledore has already acted on the information as if it were true. Um, so it's just Dumbledore's misusing his people and he risks being short one. If Snape just says, I'm done, I'm over it. I wonder what would have happened if Snape totally bailed out. Like what would Dumbledore have done? gone to Draco and being like, hey, so look, I'm cool with you killing me because I'm going to die anyway. Here's how to do it. Or like send like anonymous letters to Draco. Like, hey, here's (laughs) what you should do next. If I were you. Wasn't the implication that if Snape didn't do it, they were pretty sure that Bellatrix was going to do it. Yes. And Dumbledore was like, Bellatrix likes to play with her food. Please don't (laughs) let that happen. And the other factor was that Dumbledore wanted a quick, painless death, and Bellatrix would not have given him. Well, that. and also this kills two birds with one stone. Sorry for that, um, but it it solidifies Snape's position, right, as a quote unquote Death Eater, right. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to me, though, that he doesn't want to do it anymore. Could that be also referring to just trailing Draco, trying to you know keep tabs on him? It, Probably. Even though he's made this unbreakable vow, it seems like he's not doing a good job intervening in in certain cases because other members of this school have been put at risk as a result of Snape really failing to to do his task. I think Snape's just sick of teenagers. (laughs) Yeah, like... like Snape has better things to do. Draco won't confide in him what he's doing. He's forced to be secretive just because that's the way Dumbledore wants it. I'm I side with Snape on this, but I also think that, you know, by the end of the book, whatever Snape knows about Harry having his old potions book is a little bit unclear as well, except that Snape really is sick of Harry as well. Like Snape is just, I think, tired of dealing with teenagers, and that's something that will show up later in the book. Mm-hmm. Tired of looking into Lily's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hagrid and Harry and Hermione's conversation gets interrupted by Filch, who is patrolling the castle and, you know, is looking just to do something to Harry and Hermione for being out of bed. I don't know. What time is it even? Is it like three o'clock in the morning? Who knows? It's midnight. It's midnight. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, Laura, as you point out, uh, Filch just cl- clearly does not realize that Harry and Hermione are with a professor. Hagrid is a professor um, and, and doesn't really have a whole lot of respect for him. However, 
Hagrid turns around and refers to Filch as a sneaking squib. That's a little rough. A little racist. Yeah. Yeah, definitely some prejudice here. I I do think it's interesting, though, because, of course, we're seeing this, and it's kind of an ugly side of Hagrid. But knowing Filch's personality and seeing the way that Filch clearly just disregards Hagrid as a member of the faculty, he even questions Hagrid, well, why shouldn't they get detention? And Hagrid says, because they're with me, yeah. you idiot. Yeah. Um, it, it's clear to me, probably, that Filch has not been kind to Hagrid likely as a result of him being half giant. So we were probably. S- probably seeing a case of like, you know, members of these disenfranchised groups turning against each other, which happens in the real world. So do you think racism cancels the prejudices cancel each other out? No, not at all. It's it's never right. But I think that this is representative of a problem that we see in the real world quite frequently, which is members of disenfranchised groups being turned against each other. Mm. Right. Do you also think it could have just been heat of the moment type of situation where, and and not justifying it in any way, obviously, but, you know, I I think we all either ourselves have experienced moments or have witnessed moments where people just get amped up and where normally they wouldn't say things, things end up coming out that we otherwise wouldn't have normally said. Mm -hmm. Sure, but that's always reflective of some amount of truth though oh totally Mm -hmm. no i'm not i'm not saying that it isn't but that just looking at the situation from hagrid's end you know to your point he just got fat shamed a little bit when he was in the the hospital wing and then he he's trying to have a conversation with two of his friends i would say not even students two of his friends who he's obviously still a little ticked off at for dropping care of magical creatures which he mentions yet again. And then here comes this, yeah. you know, this lackey down the hallway, you know, not, I shouldn't talk badly of Felch, but you know, it, he, I think he was just in the moment, but still no, no reason for him to, to talk to Felch that way. There's, and, and he just made a mistake. He accidentally let out some info about Dumbledore and Snape True. that he shouldn't have. So he's frustrated at himself. So there are several reasons why. He should have he... just kicked Mrs. Norris. Oh, God. Oh, right. Animal cruelty was definitely the answer. <laughs> I, don't say that, Mike. On Captain Marvel weekend when a cat shines in a movie. Oh. Mm. Cat representation. Anyway, um, it was completely out of line for Filch to say that... Um, they shouldn't be out right now with a teacher. Like, of course, it's okay for them to be with a with a teacher at this hour, no matter mm-hmm. what time it is. Yeah, and they're just coming from the hospital wing where they're visiting their dying, potentially, friend, you know? Like, it's just uh, one of those things. The scariest part for me is that Hagrid sends Harry and Hermione off, and the voices, the angry voices continue till they're out of earshot. So whatever they're saying to each other when Harry and Hermione walk away is probably worse. And at least, you know, we think it, the situation gets diffused mm. somehow. It's a good point. Yeah. I just hope Felch is being careful because he's going up against somebody who has footprints the size of baby dolphins. Hagrid could take him. Hagrid could body slam him. <laughs> Felch would be dead. Madame Pomfrey could not grow back those bones. <laughs> We spoke about Ron a few minutes ago, and it's noted in the chapter, as we said, that people aren't very concerned about what's happened to Ron. 
it, it's played off as not very severe because there was a teacher present. So people thought, oh, it may have just been a classroom accident. No biggie. Um, I also think <laughs> it might just be people going, oh, there goes Ron screwing up again. I don't think and, so, because these kinds of accidents actually do happen really frequently at Hogwarts. Well, exactly. So yeah. that's kind of, I can see why people would be like, oh, yeah, sometimes you just get poisoned. It's just a reminder that Ron is very irrelevant, and he has no other friends except for Ron or Harry and Hermione, normally. And uh, Harry's the only reason he's remotely interesting. Sorry. Okay, I disagree. Also, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, they're like this very insular trio. Realistically, the three of them don't have too many friends apart from each other. So also, I think Ron's relevant because he's representative of a couple of really important themes. First of all, he is representative of economic disparities that exist in both the Wizarding World and the Muggle World, in which rich people are rewarded by becoming richer. Mm. Um, And he's also representative of the fact that you can undergo development in terms of your prejudices and overcome them, as he does by the end of the series. With house elves. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, I guess. Ron is relevant. <laughs> Hashtag Ron <laughs> is relevant. I'm just trying just to rev people up. <laughs> More subtle. He's trying to get right. people to actually email the show, right? Yeah. Since yeah. That- you convinced me. Weasley is our king. No, well, uh, Andrew, what we have to do, we have to turn this into a feud. It's got to go week to oh. week. We got to amp people Ooh. up. I'm like missing next week. Everybody's like, oh yeah. my God. Laura and Andrew <laughs> fell apart Laura over Ron. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. we're not really doing a commentary episode. It's just the fallout from this one. I know. It's <laughs> it's too harsh. I'm like Yoko Ono. I'm just coming in and breaking up the band. <laughs> oh, man. Please don't. <laughs> I do think, though, that it is interesting that J.K. Rowling felt the need to point out that people did not really care much about what happened to ron yeah i think it speaks more to the secrecy in general that dumbledore exercises over the school like in 1942 whatever it was where myrtle died like everybody knew like there was this not not this concentrated air of you know fogging it up what really happened pretty much everybody knew that myrtle warren was killed um and that might be because Dippet was presumably headmaster as well. And it wasn't, you know, Albus's place to spread misinformation. But this time, it's in Dumbledore's best interest to not panic students and, and their teachers. But there's also not, like there was in Chamber of Secrets, a clear you know, kind of conspiracy going on. Yeah, I don't think other students are aware of the fact that there's something at play here where somebody is trying to intentionally go after students, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like in Chamber of Secrets, it was apparent that the heir of Slytherin was trying to kill mudbloods and, and right. purge the school. Here, it's a little bit different. You you could even look at these as being one-off incidents that have no relation to each other whatsoever. And maybe that's, to your point, in part, Dumbledore trying to keep keep a a tight lid on things yeah and from the parents sure uh good point now we get to the quidditch match in this chapter and personally the only reason i think that it was even included in this chapter was to put harry in the hospital 
Yeah. And it was there was some great comedic relief from Luna Lovegood uh taking over as as the the broadcaster for for Quidditch uh and it was very <laughs> very fun to read. But I don't know, like it just the way the chapter just kind of pivoted and I know we we didn't talk much about how you know, Harry fills Ron's uh, replacement on the Quidditch team with Cormac McLaggen and, and McLaggen's kind of tailing him around throughout. Uh, more tales. More tales, as is Lavender Brown, by the way. So Harry just can't get rid of anybody. Uh, and <laughs> Cormac really comes across in this chapter from the moment he's kind of waiting for Harry in the common room to hitting him in the face with the bludger as a douche. Yeah. yeah. And I also just want to quickly mention that right before the Quidditch match, when Harry runs into Draco and the two girls, Harry is so obsessed at this point with figuring out what Draco's up to that he just straight up says to him, he demands, as J.K. Rowling writes, <laughs> his sworn enemy to his face where he's going. He just demands, where are you going? Like, <laughs> of, of course, Draco is not going to answer that. But this is how desperate Harry is for answers now that he just says it to his face. Man, Maybe me if up. I had been Draco, I would have been like, I got to go take a wicked dump. That's where I'm going. <laughs> if you must know. And then Harry would be like, you need to poop with two girls. <laughs> hey, Maybe he's into that. You know? like, <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have been like, uh, oh, I have an appointment uh, with your mom or something like that. Something <laughs> childish. Oh, that would be rough because his mom's dead. Mom's dead. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to say, yeah, maybe along those lines, you'd be like, I'm going off to have a threesome with these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't want to take it there. They're this under a age. Show. They're underage. I don't know why they pick 11 year old girls to turn into, first of all, uh, by the way. And I think next next chapter, Ron even says, like, they, I swear they're getting smaller. Um, it's just so funny that, you know, Crab and Goyle are big, big lurky boys. Well, who who and... is the one that blushed at Harry, though? That's the real question. I, well... <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about because that's actually the beginning of next chapters, the very beginning. So we'll reserve it but... for there. I would say for now, the cha- the Quidditch match, like you're saying, Micah, like Cormac really shows his true colors and any doubts that I may have had as a reader that Hermione did the wrong thing earlier in getting Ron the position is wiped away. Cormac keeps telling the other players what to do and how to do it. And this isn't just practice anymore. This is the game. He cannot stop his own ego from forcing him to commentate on all the other players that he's not doing, you know, a good job himself or even focusing on the game himself. And it's, it's ridiculous because even when he has a good idea, his ego is just so overpowering and, the the score speaks for itself. It's like 320 to like 40 or something ridiculous. Like Cormac can never be allowed to play Quidditch ever again. <laughs> no, and, and I think it points at something that Laura talked a little bit about before where you have this shift a little bit in your perception of Slytherin with Slughorn. You could say the same thing looking at a character like Cormac, who's a Gryffindor. Yep. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. But yeah, just the idea that they're playing the sport where you can bat these heavy balls at people for the purpose of hurt, hurting them. And then Cormac does it accidentally. It's just a, another safety nightmare. One day I'm just going to make a list of all the ways this school <laughs> is a disaster. 
What would you prefer be the school sport? Gobstones or, or uh, chess? Wizards chess? Maybe how about Quidditch, but with lighter balls? Like, do we have to hit them at other people? Like balloons? Yeah, hit them at balloons or... Yeah, that wouldn't be as them. fun. <laughs> Laura lives for danger. <laughs> have you ever seen it live and in person? I mean, it gets pretty intense, especially when they're trying to catch the snitch. Yeah, like there's mm. literally an ambulance parked next to Muggle Quidditch fields. <laughs> In case somebody gets hurt. <laughs> well, that's what they need at Hogwarts. They need uh, Madame yeah. Pomfrey to oversee all the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much like Chamber of Secrets, after getting hit by a bludger, Harry ends up in the hospital. And he's trying to still... The, really, what bothers me is he wakes up and the first thing that he really thinks about is how he can continue to track Malfoy. Mm. right yeah this is this is priority number one for him this is this is all he's thinking about right now and he runs things through his mind and then finally it dawns on him as he reflected back actually to chamber of secrets and dobby showing up in the hospital he's like i can get creature to tell malfoy and he calls creature and for whatever reason, Dobby <laughs> shows up as a bonus. So he gets two house elves for the price of one. And I'm just wondering at this point, though, with Dobby being so eager to do Harry's bidding, why even involve Creature? Because you th- you see how much work Harry actually has to put into what he tells Creature so that Creature doesn't betray him in some way. Yeah. Because it's very clear that Creature in a heartbeat would help Draco instead of help Harry. I thought it was fun seeing Drake, uh, Harry work that through, like mm-hmm. lay out some rules to ensure that creature couldn't get around his request. Well, yeah, creature is the way, I mean, creature is the reason Sirius Black is dead and it's because Sirius Black said go to him. And then that was interpreted as you can go visit Bellatrix and tell them what's going on that they even formed that plan. Like Harry is all too well aware of creatures, like the way that house elves can interpret orders. But I think if he hadn't used creature to Micah's point and just used Dobby, I think creature also would have known what was going on and maybe been even more free to warn him. Like you kind of got to involve creature because he's, he's your, he's your responsibility. And I think also, Um, Dobby and Creature kind of cancel out each other's, I guess, bad habits. Like, for instance, we see Dobby in here and he's like, oh, yeah, and if I do it wrong, I'll throw myself from the highest tower. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which was some scary foreshadowing. I, I know. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's like, okay, maybe you need a, a character like Creature who is a, maybe a tad stealthier <laughs> involved yeah, in this no. venture. That's a good point. But also, can Harry summon Dobby? No. Like he, well, yeah, because Dobby's that's free. That's another thing. Right. But at the, be- at the beginning of the book, uh, when Dumbledore tells Harry that he has inherited Creature, um, it, it, it comes up. Harry's like, well, I don't want him. And he's like, well, instead of freeing him, do you just want to send him to school to work with the houses in the kitchens? And Harry's like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I'll put him in the kitchen. So what it was was Harry called Creature – 
and creature like in the kitchens was within earshot of Dobby said something like, Oh, my master is calling me. I hate that guy. He's a loser. And then Dobby starts like a fist fight. Cause they were fighting when creature like crack appeared. They were in like a brawl <laughs> over not Dobby was telling creature not to insult Harry Potter. And so whether Harry wanted or not, he got both elves because they were in some kind of a internal struggle. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he knocks out his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ron and Ron wakes up right away and they have to physically pull the elves apart, which is pretty cool. My big thing is it's March 2nd and he Harry has not seen nor heard from nor thought of nor reached out to Dobby and Creature since before September 1st. Harry is a bad friend, you guys. Yeah. And he's a he's a bad master to Creature like if Creature or Dobby were a tamagotchi harry would be sol he'd like pull up the thing and they'd be dead they'd be long dead wait a second i forget if it's a ghost or a skeleton or what why would harry want to bother creature he knows that creature hates him well dumbledore brought up this point at the end of order of the phoenix where he was like yeah listen the reason that sirius is dead ultimately is because creature went off and told bellatrix at all like what was going on but ultimately Creature was, first of all, demented because of the locket. Secondly, Sirius abused the shit out of him. So Creature was kind of a creature of Sirius's own design. And Dumbledore brings up this point, I think, to drive home to Harry. Hey, this happened because Sirius was very unkind towards Creature. Mm Mm-hmm. So don't make, don't make the same mistake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I also found it interesting too that now you have Dobby trailing his old family and and trying to get information yeah. on them. Uh, but and and as far as summoning Dobby, I I do think Harry could summon Dobby if he really wanted to. I just feel like there's that connection, and Dobby will do anything for for Harry. Yeah. As oh yeah, we see in Deathly Hallows. And and I think he clearly doesn't trust Creature. And I think to the point that was raised earlier, they do kind of keep each other in check. So, But what I got to bring yeah, up here, this, this made me so uncomfortable. You know, we've talked about a few times as we're rereading this as adults, there are several moments that are just so cringy that maybe we thought were like kind of cute and quirky when we were younger. And this was one of them. Harry's just like down with the elvish slavery thing as long as it is convenient for him. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah. Well, like I've been saying, Harry is very desperate at this point. So yeah, he's willing to look past the fact that he's commanding these elves to do something. And Creature's not against being commanded. He just doesn't want to be commanded by a blood traitor like Harry or a half-blood filth like Harry. He actually says, Creature actually says, um, I would rather be the servant of that Malfoy boy, which is ironic because he's he's looking at the actual former servant of the Malfoy boy, Dobby. Um, But also like, so, so Creature's not objecting to being someone's, to having someone as a master. He just wishes he were more, you know, part of the, the Death Eater families, basically. Well, and he's known nothing different. So it doesn't surprise me yeah. that he would want that. But it just makes me wonder how this situation might be different 
if Harry had actually approached Creature and the other house elves with more respect and more acknowledgement of their autonomy and said, hey, I do want you to have your freedom. But at the same time, I I want to have a relationship with you. I'm not going to just call you to tell you to do things for me when it's convenient for me. Yeah, I, I thought about that in this chapter because Creature shows up in a, in a rag or whatever and Dobby's wearing several hats. Yeah. C- quote, several hats. But I was like, oh yeah, Harry can't even clothe Creature and be like, I'm going to take you under my wing, buddy. Because the second he gives Creature some clothes, Creature's free of his contract and will go to the dark side. He will absolutely tell the Death Eaters everything he knows about Harry Potter willingly. He won't even need to be coerced to do it. So Harry's in a, a bit of a pickle because he can't offer that particular kindness to Creature, to your point, Laura. Like, there's some kindnesses he can't give Creature. Creature is too, at this point, unstable to be trusted, and that's why Harry needs to give him the laundry list of things not to do. But it is it is a tough situation. This is all Sirius and Regulus's fault. This is all their fault. <laughs> Well, and their parents for for raising creature mm-hmm. in the way that they did. Yeah. With the set of values. Okay, we're about to continue chapter by chapter with connecting the threads, but first, this week's episode is also brought to you by Robinhood. They are an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as 100 Most Popular, With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of MuggleCast a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at MuggleCast.Robinhood.com. Again, that's MuggleCast.Robinhood.com. All right, Micah, last week's chapter also marked the end of Chamber of Secrets, those parallels, but the threads can continue. Yeah, they definitely, definitely do. And uh, I know we'll be making many more comparisons between the two books, but really there was a lot reminiscent about Chamber of Secrets in this particular chapter. And I think we, we touched on recently Harry being in the hospital wing after getting hit with a rogue bludger. Um courtesy of McClagan. And of course, in Chamber of Secrets, he ends up in the hospital wing, courtesy of Dobby. And uh, I don't think any surprise that Dobby shows up yet again in this chapter uh, when Harry's in the hospital wing. So a nice tie back there uh, with with those two, those two incidents. And Harry's conversation with Hagrid as we talked about earlier on in the episode, there's a lot of throwbacks to Chamber of Secrets, even mentioned directly by Hagrid himself. We don't even need to make the comparisons of the school potentially shutting down and students being attacked and Aragog being mentioned. It's all right there in front of us and it's not by coincidence. And 
just one other thing worth mentioning is Harry's suspicions of Malfoy, right? Uh, they're pretty rampant in both books, at least initially on the part of, of Harry. And uh, he's definitely suspicious of Malfoy in this book. Yeah. Yeah. Just this time Malfoy is up to something. Exactly. And we mentioned the young ladies that are with Malfoy in in this chapter. They're using Polyjuice Potion. And of course, yep. Harry and Ron transform into Crab and Goyle using Polyjuice in Chamber of Secrets. So there's probably a whole lot more, even some that our listeners are able to catch on to that, uh, that we don't. But it's always fun making these connections between the two books ah nice catches thanks i appreciate that i'm glad you enjoy it you are clearly a pro at it so mvp of the week i'm gonna give it to harry for making the weasleys relevant again thank you harry (laughs) wow uh i'm gonna give it to dobby for knocking out creature's teeth (laughs) i'm gonna give it to luna for obvious reasons she has to just keep being herself and the audience will love her and I'm going to give it to Hagrid for providing conveniently placed plot leaks. Hmm. Hmm. It does give Harry some hope. It's the one ray of hope this whole chapter that he has. That the cards are falling. Like, what is Harry hoping for? That the house of cards is falling? Because like <laughs> Harry's actively rooting against Dumbledore at this point, I think. Or, or against Snape, yeah. at the very least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is frustrated. Rename the chapter now. We said at the start that Elf Tales isn't a good one for this chapter, so let's fix that. Mine is Half-Blood Prince Chapter 19, Safety Nightmare Part 3734. (laughs) (laughs) Mine is uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince Chapter 19, Back on the Ward. Mine is uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince Chapter 19. Oh yeah, I have a house elf. And I'm going to exploit him. (laughs) (laughs) And mine is inspired by a Ramon song, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 19, Beat on the Brat with a Baseball Bat. Oh, how fun. What's the Ramones song? Beat on the Brat. Can you sing it for us so we can remember it? No, you can play it, though. Let's see here. I wish Laura would sing. She never sings. Okay. That was actually Laura singing. <laughs> yep, it was. <laughs> Laura karaoke. It was me all along. <laughs> Let's listen to some voicemails now. This first one I don't really agree with, but we're going to give them a shot. Hi, Muggle Casters. My name is Justin from Wilmington, Delaware. Um, I've actually been a long time fan of your show. And um, you actually spoke about me one time when Harry and the Potters played in this area a number of years ago. Um, I had submitted a, a fan photo with the old MuggleCast microphone lightning bolt shirt. So anyway, I'm calling because I have a theory about the Phoenix that Grindelwald and Credence have. Um, because I know that it's been spoken about the Phoenixes come to the aid of Dumbledore's. And I feel that that Phoenix is actually Fox, who is going to Credence in the aid of Dumbledore. 
So I would like you guys to ponder that one over. Uh, I think it's a very good possibility. All right. Thanks again. Bye. So I think the big question is how did that Phoenix get to Grindelwald's lair? Because it, it we don't see it like flying in at the aid of Credence. We're not really given the impression that it showed up just because Credence is there. So I, I hesitate to think that that is actually Fox. That said, I do feel like Fox could be showing up at some point in this series. Well, I mean, Credence, I thought, carried the bird with him to Germany or Austria uh, because he has the bird earlier in the film. He uh, when he's with Nagini in the empty flat at the top of the building, he's like petting a little baby bird. I think that Fox has found it. I think it is Fox. I think Fox has found his way to Credence to aid in him. And the only difference is that Grindelwald kind of casts that spell that makes him grow, you know, into a big phoenix uh, immediately rather than through time. So I think it is Fox. I, I kind of took that as canon from the get-go. Huh. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I misremembered that end scene. I thought Fox was ju- or that phoenix was just there. But now I'm playing it back and I see what you're saying. I don't know, though. I You still wonder. I mean, that are we saying that's the origin of Fox? Like, that... That'd be pretty crazy. It's a weird origin of Fox. Yeah. yeah. It's unclear why a lot of that happens off screen. And eh. in order for this to work, um, Credence would have to be a Dumbledore. Yeah. And I was going to say, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised just based on the fact that they did make Credence a Dumbledore, at least as far as we know at this point. So them making him Aurelius Dumbledore makes the idea that that could be Fox somewhat more plausible just because it's like, well, why not? And what if another reason Dumbledore, Albus Dumbledore feels so close to Fox is because like it's a memory of his brother because Credence has to die at some point in this series. Otherwise, he probably would have showed up in the Harry Potter series at some point or Aurelius Dumbledore Mm. if he is a Dumbledore. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing here that troubles me is that it's said that phoenixes are only loyal to those who they connect with, right? I'm paraphrasing, but I couldn't see like the transfer of Fox to Albus. We we were told, I believe, and I can look this up, that Fox was only Albus's. He was never anybody else's. That's all we know. But we don't know where he was before Dumb- Albus Dumbledore. And who are we... To say that he but only think, came into existence with Albus. But he leaves once Dumbledore dies. It's not like he goes to Harry or, well, mm, or, yeah, you know, or maybe it's like staying within the family. But I, I just feel like the Phoenix's loyalty is, is only to that person. It's not to anybody else within the family. Maybe Fox was just done with Dumbledore's after Albus died. He's like, you know what? I can't handle all these losses anymore. I'm out of here. Right. <laughs> but, you're, but yeah, Mike is saying, so he would have just stayed with Credence and then flown away once Credence died. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But Phoenixes are immortal creatures. So Pres- yeah, presumably. presumably. 
We hear oh, time and time um, again, though, that it's a family legend, that they stay in the family, not that they stay with a particular person in the family. Well, maybe it's one phoenix per member of the family. I'm not sure. Maybe also Dumbledore uh, absor- uh, what's the word? absorbs some of Credence's like, lifeblood, like the, re- the rest of Credence. Like, Credence gets grievously injured, and then Dumbledore just absorbs the rest of him uh, alchemically. Or so, and then that's why Fox stays with Albus because he's still Credence in some way. Did we look for Fox in the credits? That would confirm, or in the uh, the script book? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not mentioned there. We definitely would have caught that. Let's listen to another voicemail. Hey, Michael Cast, um, I have a weird theory for you guys. Um, so I'm thinking that Newt is an animagus and his animagus is a salamander. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, he's really good with Beast, maybe because he kind of is one. Uh, he says Tina's eyes are like a salamander's, which is kind of a weird thing to say, unless, you know, I mean, how long do you spend time looking at a salamander's eyes unless you kind of are one? <laughs> um, he has no loss of limbs, regardless of working with all these dangerous creatures, and <laughs> salamanders can regrow almost any part of their body um and maybe you can accio niffler because through some weird kind of connection that a normal wizard couldn't be able to do i don't know kind of like how voldemort can fly i don't know maybe not so much for that one um and come on guys i mean his name is newt scamander newt is a salamander and scamander kind of rhymes with salamander like i I don't know. It's a weird theory I came up with, but it makes Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. I would say this is a crackpot theory, but like these are very good reasons why he could be an animagus. <laughs> I think this is yeah. fun. It's a fun theory. <laughs> that said, um, I think that in terms of the salamander eyes thing, Newt's a weird dude. He's a weird dude. We get this sense throughout all the films so far. And I think of anyone, he's probably the most likely character in the series to have really examined salamander eyes in the past. Um, and I think I think it's just a funny uh, thing that J.K. Rowling has done here, naming him Newt and then having him never having lost any limbs. Uh, she likes to do these plays on words with people's names. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, li- I love this theory, though. I think it's funny. Yeah, it really is. I like how he called in and just didn't feel confident about it. But like after hearing it, I feel confident in the theory personally. Yeah, I think it's plausible. I just did a little bit more digging on Fox. Um, it It is stated that Dumbledore was his first owner. And what's also interesting, and I really forgot about this, is that he must have been around at some point in the, the 1930s since he provides the core to Tom Riddle's wand. Mm. Oh, well. I've done some reading on Fox too, though, and I, I don't know if I've seen that. We we didn't know what happened to him before, what was going on, on with him before Albus, so I still think he could have been with Aurelius at the end of the Wait, movie. you're right. How does, his, how does Fox become available for Ollivander to use in his wand that Tom Riddle gets? Dumb, he would have to be with Albus Dumbledore, and then Albus Dumbledore would have to make a concentrated effort to gift 
you know, Phoenix, Fox's tail feathers to uh, maybe all, maybe movie three is about how Albus settles a score with Ollivander by donating to uh, <laughs> Phoenix uh, tail feathers from his pet Phoenix. I, I have no idea. Not to not to complicate things yeah, more, yeah. but uh, J.K. Rowling said in 2005, somebody asked the question, who did Fox previously belong to? and Will he play a vital role in the next book? So this was after Half-Blood Prince came out. I'm not going to answer about the role in the next books. Um, he has never been owned by anyone but Dumbledore. You will notice that when Harry goes back in the pensieve in the book, Fox is never there. And no, I'm sorry, not in this book. I take that back. When Harry has previously seen the study with a different headmaster, he saw it with Dippet and Fox was not there then. So she did say once, 14 years ago, that Fox was never in anyone else's possession. Will that hold true? We will see. Gosh. In defense of Dumbledore, here's a voicemail defending Dumbledore. Hi, MuggleCast. This is Julie. I was just calling in to defend Dumbledore. I feel like everybody is way too hard on him. I know he's not perfect, but um, he's made out to be this egotistical manipulator um, that just uses people like they were tools with no thought to the consequences or the emotions behind what he's doing and there's a real undertone of selfishness that I think is completely opposite of Dumbledore's true character. Um, the truth is that he's guarding this incredibly important secret and he would love to tell everybody, but he can't. So I see him more like a master choreographer where he's setting everybody in the right spot, but he cares very deeply about everybody. That was almost the fatal flaw in the plan. And I think he's doing everything he can to minimize who gets hurt. And he's even willing to sacrifice himself for this. So just think that sometimes we're too quick to judge him based on his past. And um, we can see the good side of him more. Thanks. Bye. Laura, do you feel any differently now? No, I mean, I think this. The, there's some valid points brought up here. I don't think that it would be fair to say that Dumbledore doesn't care about the people who are involved in this mission, but I get the distinct impression that he cares more about the outcome than he does about all of the pieces that are involved in making the outcome happen. Um, certainly, he had to have suspected that Snape was going to die as a result of this. He definitely knew that Harry was going to have to sacrifice himself. Whether he knew that Harry would be able to come back or not, I think that's up in the air. Yeah. The only the only reason he the only reason Harry ever hears that he himself has to die is because Snape survived just long enough to tell Harry basically through the memory. Yep. Harry, Dumbledore if he cared really should have brought that up a lot sooner. Um But were there any other options? Harry had to do it. it so can you blame Dumbledore if there was no other way to defeat Voldemort? No, but to tell him. I'm saying Dumbledore didn't tell Harry. And if that that information very well could have died with Snape. Um, you know, Dumbledore left too much up to chance. Dumbledore is very much a ends justify the means guy. And I think whether or not you agree with Dumbledore or like Dumbledore has to do with whether or not you believe the ends justify the means. Um, Vold- Dumbledore is in a, an impossible position. Uh, no one would disagree. Um but I think that due to his specific skills, he's also the person who is the only one capable of, you know, orchestrating or choreographing, like uh, this listener said. And I think a lot of our judgment of Dumbledore comes 
Half-Blood Prince onwards. I don't think we think about it as much yes. in the mm-hmm. previous books. It's definitely Half-Blood Prince, definitely Hallows, especially now that we have more information on him and we'll continue to get more on his relationship with his family, his relationship with Grindelwald. And I just think that you it's almost like you pull back the curtain a little bit, right? On on really the, the Obi-Wan of, of the series. Mm. You don't always get that opportunity. You know, yeah. He's, yeah, that's a good you know, He's the Gandalf. He's how, how, whoever you want to compare him to or Yoda, whoever you want to compare him to. I mean, you don't always get that backstory. You don't always get that chance to dive deep into the character. And we're getting that with Fantastic Beasts. And... I, I agree. He's a master choreographer, but he's also a master manipulator. I mean, he manipulates so many people throughout the course of the series. And you could argue it's for the greater good, but to Eric's point, he leaves up a lot to chance. I mean, he's tasked Harry with almost an impossible task to destroy all those Horcruxes. And, you know, to the point about Snape, who knew if Snape was going to be able to survive up until the point where Harry just so happens to, you know, get his his tears and be able to put them into the the pensive to learn the truth there's there's a lot that's left up to chance and i don't think that dumbledore did a lot of very good planning in in his latter days all right one more voicemail today hey guys what's up um i've been listening to your show for the last couple weeks and i love it um if one character, if you had, a, if you could save one character who died in the Harry Potter series, who would you save? Answer your next um, podcast, please. <laughs> All right. This person didn't say their name, so I'm just going to call them Fox. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Fox. <laughs> I would save Snape because he ended up not being the master of the Elder Wand, and he did not need to die. And I would have liked to have seen him lead a. Uh, peaceful life after Voldemort died and maybe finally find love. No. Um, I would save Dobby. This this death always gets me. In fact, I not too long ago watched Deathly Hallows Part 1 and I cried during the Dobby scene and I was like, damn, this movie's been out forever and I've seen this a million <laughs> times and this still makes me cry. Um... I, I just like to imagine him living out his days as a free elf and like visiting Harry and the kids at Christmas and coming around to to say hello and being there for birthday parties. You're and gonna make me cry. Like you Stop it. For wanting to say that. it's more of it's more of my head canon. Yeah. <laughs> Laura, you want to hear something creepy? I knew that you watched Deathly Hallows Part One because we're fr- friends on PlayStation. Oh, and that's PlayStation so- <laughs> told me, and I was actually wondering why you watched it. Tell us why did you watch it. Um, I, I guess I just, I wanted to, I, I had a hint of nostalgia and I was like, oh, I haven't seen this movie in a minute. Wow. Wait, watch so, it. W- did you watch it on disc and it told Andrew? Was it? No. A- okay. No, I, uh, I downloaded it. Nice. Oh, okay. Cause I'm like, how does PlayStation report to other PlayStation friends? What movies you're watching? That seems a little oh, big brothery. It reports everything. Yeah. If you're, if you're, um, Settings are set to like public with your friends, mm. uh-huh. so like I can see what games Andrew's <laughs> playing. 
I was well, yeah, giving that's... him a hard time for a while because like <laughs> twice in a row I logged in and he was playing Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> I had to let out some rage. Well, you guys got to friend me. I'm yeah. on PSN. Oh, yeah. We got to rectify I gotta, this. I got to admit, like yeah. every time, because PlayStation tells you when a friend is online. So I just go and I'm only friends with Laura and her boyfriend, Mark. So I just go and I <laughs> check out what they're doing. Like Laura's already always playing Spyro. Yeah. Well, part of that is that I'm lazy as hell and I never actually quit the game. So oh. it always shows that I'm playing Spyro. <laughs> oh, that explains a lot because you do seem to play it a lot. No. <laughs> All right. Oh man. Uh, for me, I would I would um, save Remus. I I think that you know he he's one of the first real father figures to Harry in the series, and I think is you know obviously a a strong tie to his past, and really is the one who teaches him the foundation of defense against the dark arts, which becomes critical to Harry moving forward. And, and I would also say, you know, just because he has a son um, too later on in the series who I know JK Rowling has, has talked about, you know, sort of bringing the series full circle and with what she did with Remus and Tonks. Um, but also just, you know, to have Remus there, you know, Harry loses pretty much all of his father figures and all of his mentors, um, in the series and i think to have remus there would be would be good so yeah that was a hard to give teddy his father back yeah we go by the rule of no duplicates i'm gonna go with Sirius, um because i I just think that Sirius had a rough go like he spent the last year of his life like sort of a free man but he was languishing in this home that he could never go outside and he was a prisoner even after he escaped Azkaban for the last year. And then he just ups and dies. And I think that flawed character though he was, I think Remus is definitely a better father figure and definitely a better protector for Harry. I would have liked to have seen Sirius get a chance to live, uh, you know, in Harry's sixth year, Harry's seventh year and beyond to maybe find some redemption that he never quite was able to get because JK Rowling saved him only to snuff him out. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you to everybody who called in today. If you would like to leave a voicemail, our number is one nine two zero three Muggle. That's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three. You can also feel free to email us MuggleCast at gmail dot com or just use the contact form on the website. Of course, we also love hearing from people when they listen to the episode. So please write in, tweet us, Twitter dot com slash MuggleCast. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash MuggleCast. We love hearing from y'all when you listen to the episode. It feels good. Otherwise, we feel alone out here. So join us by reaching out. Yeah. It's time now for some Quizich. Yep. And last week's question, which we all heard, was who's the big (laughs) Hufflepuff that successfully takes the quaffle from Ginny during Quidditch? Uh, and, And as a hint, Luna cannot remember his name. Um... You know who did remember his name, guys? Potter Hobbit over on Twitter who said, No book needed, just remembered the odd name. The answer, of course, who can forget this big Hufflepuff? Cadwallader. Cadwallader is his name. It's not it's not Bibble, it's not Buggins, it's Cadwallader, and McGonagall corrects Luna when she can't remember. Congratulations to all of our winners who submitted the answer over on Twitter, Brock G. Kim Van Wick, Kate, Fluffy McNutters, 
who said that Bibble and Buggins sort of sound like Bilbo Baggins. Uh, Dumby the Bumblebee, Sarah D. Leaf, Count Ravioli, Sarah A.K. Weensy, Karen, and Vaping with Dad, who says that Cadwallader is his favorite character in the Harry Potter series. That's bullshit. Aside from Yaxley. <laughs> they just want attention. Yeah. And they got it. I like the Dumby. Uh, what was it? Dumby okay. the Bumblebee. That's a Dumbledore yeah. reference, right? Uh, Since- yeah. Well, Dumbledore's name in French means bumblebee. Ah. And Albus is Latin for white or pure. Um, yes. Yeah, so this next week's question uh, is is in there. It's it's again, we're going to the, the future chapter that we're going to be reading on uh, the next uh, chapter episode. But uh, who is the def- who is the defense against the dark arts teacher at Hogwarts when Lord Voldemort was in school? Ooh. And that answer can be found in the next chapter of Half-Blood Prince. Submit your answers to us over on Twitter at MuggleCast using hashtag Quizich. Yeah, read along with us. It's a good excuse to read along. Uh, we will get the answer to that question in two weeks because next week is our Crimes of Grindelwald commentary. We hope you join us for that. Grab your digital copy, grab your physical copy, and watch along with us. It'll be a lot of fun because there's so much happening in this movie, and we will try to discuss all of it. Though, like I've said, I think we might need two commentaries <laughs> to, to, to discuss everything that we see. Um, but we'll have a lot of fun doing that. We would appreciate your support over at patreon.com slash mugglecast. We will be sign- sending out more signed album art this year. We're going to do it again because we have new album art. We're also working on a new physical gift that will go out to all patrons who are at the Dumbledore's Army level or above. We're also running a new giveaway. We're giving away copies of G- Crimes of Grindelwald, the physical edition. Um, so you can still pledge and be eligible to win, all you got to do is briefly uh, fill out an entry form. That is for those who are at the Slug Club level. And speaking of the Slug Club level, we will have a guest on in the next couple weeks, one of our listeners. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, we really appreciate you listening and your support. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. See you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.